this is Allie from Living Life with Dream and Pick Disease, Type B. So the last time I left off was basically just me talking a little bit into my past on how I went through some chemo, radiation, how I got into two male, two bone marrow transplant. Um, like I like I mentioned in my previous podcast, um, my brother who is now twenty one, going to be twenty two in October. He was my donor not once but twice. The first one was through the umbilical cord. And then, due to my body rejecting the first one through the umbilical cord, um, the doctors really just wanted to uh, push me into an, another bone marrow transplant because I was just getting worse and worse. And like I mentioned before, um, I was so bad where I had to go into the the ICU just because I was so bad and then during this time let me remind you my great grandmother was also very 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 sick uh last time that I was able to speak to or talk to her I was very very young and I used to always have this constant dream even to this day where I would see my great grandmother in my dreams and I guess I remember her as she was a little more sick, so for me, she was in a wheelchair, and my big-grandmother was from Mexico, so, you know, they have, like, these knitted blankets, so I always um, remembered that she was wearing this knitted knitted blanket around her, and I remember she would, me and her would sneak downstairs, and it'd be, like, super early in the morning, and she would give me, like, Ritz crackers or cookies right before breakfast and um during this time I was also very sick so when we were living with my grandparents uh along with my great grandma um I think it was we were living there I could be wrong um I remember um anywhere I go you know I was on medications and all of this but the very last time that like anyone saw her is when me and her were both very sick and her last words to my mom my mom was that um she said Miha Alyssa is going to be okay and the next morning I I woke up so I mean me and my mom you know we like to consider my great grandma as as a major guardian angel for me she was she had so much faith in the Lord and and just you know miracles and I think part of that to me is what sticks with me is that you know even even though things don't always go the way they should even though um, we go through difficult things in life even though we hit certain obstacles in our life where we feel like you know like what the heck like what's going on in our life like why is this happening to me there's always that um conscious in the back of your head saying don't give up you have a reason to keep going you this is your time this is your life you know and 
for me, that conscious was not only myself, but it was my great grandma as well. You know, um, for me, I think, you know, my great grandma gave her life for a reason. And if she is, you know, if she not, you know, not that she wasn't old and anything, but she was getting older and she was getting sicker. But to me, it's like God and her wouldn't have given me a second chance if they didn't feel that I couldn't pursue it. So, I mean, I think little things like that is where I like to, like, you know, just keep in the back of my head, you know. There's always that saying, you know, wherever you go, the Lord is with you. And I believe that is 100% true. Anywhere I go, anything that I hit, any obstacle that faces me down, yes, I have my bad times. Yes, I have my negativity. You know, I have my depression. But I always have to think in the back of my head, the Lord is always with me for some reason. And he is putting me through this journey. He's putting me through this obstacle. He is putting me through this difficult time in my life because he is giving me the opportunity to push forward, to push ahead. And, you know, it's true what God says. He gives, you know, the Lord gives um, his, his wars to the strongest warriors. And that is absolutely true, 100% true. So, yeah, I mean, everything like that was going on. It's, that still goes on t- into my head today. Um, that is one of the major things I will always continue to stick with, even during my hard times. Um, you know, I just think that, you know, there's always someone there, whether it's, you know, whether it's family, whether it's friends, whether it's, you know, just a stranger. It's always good to have someone to talk to. Um, and hey, you know, if you can't talk, jot it down. Jot it down in a journal, you know, in a book, and just jot it down just to get everything off your mind. And I, I tell you, that will help you so much. Feel like just like a hundred pounds just got lifted off of you. So I'm going to jump in a little bit, like I said, into my new Peak disease, um, just to get a little bit more specific on what it is. So Neiman Peak disease type B is inherited condition involving lipid metabolism. People with this condition experience a buildup of lipids in the spleen, liver, lungs, bone marrow, and the brain. Um, so like I said, yes, it does hit the brain. Um, type A is very, very more severe than type B and type C. Type B is, it kind of ranges from early childhood to early adulthood. So I am one of the luckiest ones, you know, to keep fighting my battle. Um, the signs to Neiman Pick disease typically develop in preteen years and may include enlarged liver and spleen, short statue, problems with lung function, including frequent lung infections, and a low number of platelets in the blood. Neiman Pick disease type B is caused by changes 
mutations or variants in the in the gene. It is inherited in an autosomal recessive fashion. Treatment is aimed at addressing the symptoms present in each individual. Um, so basically, you know, that's just that's just saying what it is. Basically, right there, um, you do get an enlarged liver. Um, and I, for those who have met me, and for those who have seen me, I am very short statue due to the disease. When I was younger, like I've mentioned, even till this, not as bad as today. Um, I used to have a lot of breathing problems. So I would remember, um, I remember I would get like constant chest pains. And they would hurt me so, like, so much. Right? I, it was to the point where I couldn't breathe. And sometimes I would have to be admitted. Sometimes I would have to go to the ER just for oxygen because, like, my inhaler wasn't working. I kid you not, like, when we were living with my grandparents, um, my grandma and my grandmother, we lived with my mom's. Uh, parents, so you know, it was me, my dad, um, my brother, and and then my grandparents, and then of course my aunt Diana. Um, she and I was um very sick. Yeah, I was very sick. I remember, you know, I was constantly in and out of hospitals. And basically half of our room was like, we had like these big old oxygen machines because I couldn't, you know, I couldn't live without oxygen. It was like, it was that hard for me to breathe. So my parents and the doctors, you know, we had, the doctors had to send home some, uh, some oxygen equipment and then I'll, of course the albuterol treatments just because it was that hard for me to breathe. I remember during, um, I, I don't know what, what year exactly, but I remember one day during my treatments, my dad had taken me and I think we were living I'm not sure if we were living with my grandparents still. I don't think we were. I believe we were living... Where were we living? I believe we were living in Whittier at the time. Whittier, California. But anyways, I remember my dad taking me to the ho- um, to the hospital, to that children's hospital of Los Angeles, because I would get treatments at least three times a week for my IVIG. And like I said, I would get really sick sometimes and really tired and really fatigued. And I remember one time, um, the treatment was finished. You know, they have to, they have to make sure the patient's okay. So they have to sit there for a little while, drink a little juice or whatever, just to make sure the patient is fine. But I remember we all thought that I was good. And I don't know if it's because I had a cold or maybe it was combined, but my dad and I, I was holding my dad's hand because I was so weak. And we were walking towards the elevator. And I just, I, I remember feeling so fatigued and so out of breath. And 
I just re- and um I just remember like trying to trying to talk like trying to speak for help, but nothing was coming out. And during this time, like my my nurse and my uh, my nurse and my dad were talking about something, and then all I remember is just like fainting. And I just remember her catching me, and she was a she was a pretty small nurse, so I just remember her catching me right before I fell. And I just after that, like it was all a blank because like just everything just went into a blur. Like I just felt like this cold air rushing through me, and I felt like as if like I don't know. I think she was well. She was obviously running because she they had to stabilize me. But like all during all that time, I just remember like just uh, like trying to speak, like trying to yell for my dad, and just you just it, it, I wouldn't speak. Um, so during that time, it was it was pretty scary for me. My dad thought I was joking around, like I was playing with him, but I don't think he actually like noticed noticed until like you know until my nurse caught me. So I mean. I I could only imagine. I'm pretty. That's terrifying for a dad as well, especially for being the only girl in my family. Um. So yeah, that was that's one of my many fears of experience living without, you know, having trouble breathing and stuff. Um. During this time, you know, we were going through a lot, not just as medical problems, family problems as well, but you know. Just simple things, like well, not simple, complicated things. Just like you know,、um, I think during this time, I don't remember what year, but as soon as like I got better and IVIG was working, I remember my doctor saying that I could go to school, and I was so happy because that's all I've ever wanted to do is just go to school and just you know try to be a normal kid. I mean, who doesn't want to be a normal kid? But、um, I remember when my parents were getting ready to enroll me. I was walking through the hallways, and I met、um, I met these two girls, and they were just so cool. They were so nice, you know, about everything. You know, they didn't really they didn't really tease or anything. So we became like instant best friends. During that time, and this was like about—I want to say this was like second grade, so it was like a while, <laughs> it was long ago. But、um, during that time, like we became friends, you know, we started hanging out every day, and then you know, life goes on, life is moving on.、Um, we lived in this small house. It was so cute, though. I love that house. And we lived in a small house in Whittier, and it was me, my dad, my brother, and. Then around 2004 is when it's like 2000, 2003, 2004. My mom became pregnant, and then around February of 2004 is when my mom had my younger brother Nick, and. It was so funny because it was、um, me and my cousin were、uh, what were we doing? We were watching movies one time in my room, and we were watching movies. And I think 
don't know what we were doing. We were just watching movies, and my mom was laying in her bed, and I just remember seeing my aunt and my cousin rush to her because she was going into labor. So, you know, he was he was ready to pop out. He just he he couldn't wait. He just wanted to come into the world. But I remember that, and I remember like just seeing all the commotion. I was like. I remember asking, Mom, are you okay? But, you know, I was going to ask you when they're trying to get my mom into the hospital for the baby. <laughs> so, yeah, that was going on. And I just remember we were waiting and waiting and waiting. And then finally, he was, finally he was born. My little Nicholas, my little knucklehead of a brother was born into the world. And I remember me and my other brother, Aaron, we just, we were so happy to have another sibling. I know I was happy. I was so excited. And um, me and him are still close today. He's, um, I consider all three of them my brothers. I consider all three of my brothers my best friends. But um, my brother, Nick. I can go to him about literally anything, and he will not judge me. He is always there for me, and I am such a proud sister. I'm proud of all of them, all three of them. But, you know, after that, you know, going on through the years, you know, um, I wasn't getting sicker. I was pretty stabilized. Like I said, I had treatments about three times a week so I would have to miss like partial days of school just because I'd be so tired most of the times and I remember one time I had to go um I had to come back the next day because they had to give me another treatment just because my platelets and my blood levels were I believe they were a little too low so they needed to give me some more antibodies from the IVIG so they asked me if it would be okay to go to school with an IV in my hand. And you know, I'm pretty careful with my IVs. I'm pretty gentle with them. I'm pretty like cautious when it comes to my IVs and stuff. But I was so terrified going to school because I knew if it would like get bumped or hit by another kid like it was just gonna be awful like you don't want to go to school and then you get hit and you have like this IV hanging out of your hand like that's scary especially to another kid and then I think I was mostly worried about getting teeth as well just because you know that you know can be a little cruel sometimes but um I think what made me feel better during the time when I came home was my was my four best friends. So it was my friend Desiree, my friend Sydney, actually three best friends I guess, yeah. So it's my friend Desiree, Sydney, and then Elijah. But he was kind of like off and on friends with us, you know, he had his own little group of friends. Um, so no, you know, the three of us would hang out, the four, uh, or even the four of us. Um, but the one person I was closest to was uh, Sydney because she understood the medical 
you know, just the medical stuff that I was going through because she had a heart condition. And I believe during that time, I want to say it, she was on maybe like her second or third heart surgery. I don't quite remember, but it was somewhere around there. So, you know, during the in and outs of the hospital, she was the one person I can go to during this time. And, you know, things happen, kids drift apart as you move on. So around, like, during the third or fourth grade, our other friends started, you know, drifting away, hanging out with these other girls. And those other girls, let's just say I didn't get along with them too well. Um... One of the girls, I don't know, she was just, she was, I don't know if she wanted to be mean or maybe she was just going through her own stuff at the time. So I tried to ignore her the best that I could during that time. And I wouldn't really go home and tell my parents about anything because she didn't like, you know, bully bully me. But it was also, it was kind of just like a physical bulliness. I mean, not a physical, a mental bonus, emotional. Um, I remember one time we had to go to PE, and I had to go to the to the restroom. And I couldn't really do PE during this time, just because, like I said, the the Neiman pit can kind of cause my breathing to decrease or mess with my lungs. So they had me do like a special independent PE on the side. But um, I just remember one time I was going to the bathroom and the three of them were following, not just me, but my friend as well. And I was like, well, why, you know, like, what the heck, why are they following me? What did I do? And I think it was like, I want to say the fourth grade. It might have been the fourth grade. And she followed me and I just remember her like, like she she wasn't like a big hefty girl but she was on the bigger side she was a little you know thicker so and here I am you know you got tiny knees and short statues so it's kind of hard for me to defend myself and I just remember my other friend waiting outside for me so she we usually walk to PE together and I remember her um walking or like not locking, but holding the bathroom stall shut. Like, I couldn't get out. So, like, she wouldn't let me open the door. So, um, I wasn't, like, scared just because, you know, it's a bathroom. But she was being kind of, you know, like a bully. She was being a creepy bully. So, I was like, okay, well, I'm not going to let her get to me and, like, let her win. So... What I did was, and I don't think she knew I was going to do it, is I threw my shoe to, like, not threw my shoe, but I kind of, like, went under the stall to the other stall. And then she thought I was over there, and then I went through the other stall, and I, like, literally just, like, ran out of the back into my friend. But I was, like, you know, like, I was, like, like, what the heck did I ever do to you? Like, I didn't even do anything, you know. We weren't ever friends. She was mostly, she was mostly friends with our other friend that kind of drifted away from us. But, you know, I mean, friends drift, so, I mean, I didn't really take it personal. It's just, um, I remember crying one time because 
I don't remember exactly what she said, but she said something like mean to me or hurt my feelings. And you know, I thought we were, you know, you think that's not second, I mean, at third or fourth grade, you think that's your best friend. But I just remember her saying something mean and me like going to the other side of the wall and like crying. And then my other friend just like coming to check on me. So, I mean, you know, I didn't have like a two month difficult time during elementary. It was okay. Not to mention, like, I, I had cousins that went to school with me. So, I mean, if there were, ever was like a major, major bully, like someone that was like really pushing me around or something, like, I would obviously tell them because I know, like, they had my back, like, 100% of the time they had my back. Um, but no, I mean, after, like, doing all that, like, me and my best friend at the time, you know, we were hanging out, having fun, you know, living life, um, and then I want to say around after fifth grade is when me and my parents and my two brothers at the time were were getting ready to move you know we had some complications so we needed to move and we moved actually just because we um you know my my mom needed help with the boys my parents needed help with the boys and me and taking care of me and watching over me so we moved to no i think it was riverside no paris we moved somewhere up there and during this time i wasn't in the greatest health i was okay wasn't the greatest um i was getting ready to start middle school and you know we had this plan uh we had this plan everything was you know good to go we had moved up and i kid you not it wasn't even like the second night at the house i don't think it was like this it was probably like this maybe the third and i don't even i even barely remember that it's like i think i want to say it was like the second or third night at the house it wasn't even a week i know that and the most terrifying thing happened. I remember, you know, we barely moved in, you know, so nothing is fully unpacked or in its place or has its own thing because, you know, we just moved into this new place. And my parents are still working a little further, a little farther. Like my dad was working in the LA County or LA area. And my mom was working, I wanna believe in the Long Beach area. So, I mean, um, during this time, you know, they were both going back and forth to work. And I remember, I remember one night, my, my mom, my grandma gets a call from my mom. And I, I just see my grandma's face. And all I remember thinking is, oh dear Lord, what just happened? And... It was a phone call saying that, sorry, this always makes me a little emotional just because I'm very close to my parents. Um, I remember my mom talking to my grandma 
saying that my dad was in a really bad accident. And I just remember thinking, because I had my brothers by my side, and my younger brother, Nick, he was still, he wasn't a baby baby, but he was still a baby. And my brother Aaron, he was going, I think he was going into the third grade? Either the second or third grade, I'm not sure. I think it was the second or third grade. Um, so they were younger, you know, the big sister, you know. So I just remember thinking, don't cry, don't cry. You have your brothers here, you have to be strong for them. And I just remember that I was terrified. Like, I, I thought it was, like, I thought something was going to happen to him. I thought I was going to lose my dad that day. Um, but I remember afterwards, um, my mom had said, or my mom had later on mentioned that, my mom and dad mentioned that he was in a car accident, but he was okay. Um, they, my, he had, he had crashed his car, like, you know, in those, those light wooden poles in that LA area, he was super tired, and he had worked the graveyard shifts during this time, you know, he, he, you know, they had a sick child, so, you know, the sick child, you need medications, and, you know, so they were, you know, they were taking care of that, both my mom and my dad. And I rem- um, just remember thinking, you know, I hope he's okay, Crane's okay. But when he was in his car accident, he totaled the car. Like, it was, it was totaled. It was, it was just bad. It was really, really bad. Like, some people, some, I think it was the police officer or... I remember my dad saying that somebody had told him he don't he doesn't know how he made it out alive. But my dad had said that he had pulled himself out of the car, um, basically like you know just dragging himself out of the car. So my dad had pulled himself out of the car, and when we went to go see him, I just remember. He had bruises, he had cuts on his feet, a couple on his legs, a few on his arms, and basically they had to take him into surgery because he had broken his hip during this accident. So he needed a hip replacement. So that was a scary time for me. my dad, you know, like I said, he's my best friend. I'm close to my mom and my dad, so I consider them both my best friends. Um, but yeah, I mean, I just wanted to get into a little bit of my life story, into what was going on, into my past. I think during that time, it had to have been the most difficult for me. And my brothers, you know, they were young, but I'm pretty sure they had feelings as well. A lot of scary, scary feelings. 
during this time too, you know, my mom and dad were going through their stuff, you know, they have a sick child, you know, I got two kids, you know, my dad was in accident and my mom so there was a lot going on during this time. A lot, a lot. Um, yeah. I will see you guys on the next podcast.